So, you've just finished A Court of Thorn and Roses, and you're craving another fantasy world to devour. Dipsy's got your back. Dive into spicy enemies-to-lovers tales or embark on an epic romance between immortal fae and sworn foes. They've got fantasy romance stories perfect for your morning walk, late night, or long bath. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. I gotta tell you that the immersive soundscapes are really what makes a good sexy story different from a not good sexy story because it just like adds like it's hard sometimes in like reading a novel to like get the actual feel of what's going on but when it's like oh we're like at the coffee shop and this is like actually happening it's like very different (laughs) and there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves greek gods and goddesses regency era historical fiction for you sam and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure new content is released every week so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again you can always find something new to explore dipsy offers a modern approach to romance through high quality and captivating audio fiction for listeners of the show dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash just break up that's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash just break up. Dipsy stories.com slash just break up. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like schadenfreude. Right? So much fun to say. Uh, Our partner's finances during Corona and not being able to say no. Mm. But before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we are not in any way licensed therapists. Nor are we truly qualified to do this. Uh, We are just two... Gemini English majors haven't said that one in a little bit Um, (laughs) and we're just doing our best and we hope that you take our advice as you see fit because we're probably going to disagree at some point here or there but again please take our advice as you see fit we're just offer we're just here to offer our humble musings hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience That is love. That entire spiel was like very difficult for me to say because I'm currently covered (laughs) in my second round of poison ivy this summer. Have you ever, I think I asked you about this during the first round, right? I don't remember. I I don't think so. I didn't know that this was your second round of poison ivy. Yeah. Have you ever had it? No. Let me tell you why poison ivy is the devil's plant, Samuel. Okay. It is... One, it, it 
it looks different at all different life stages. So it's very, it can be very difficult to identify. Now that I know what it looks like, I can see it everywhere. But like baby poison ivy is like cute, like a little bit of a rosy tint, baby groots kind of feel going on. And then grown up poison ivy is like, oh, look at this luscious green plant. Like grandparent poison ivy, it's like a huge ass vine, like growing up the side of a building. So it just, and they're all different color greens, whatever. So it's a tricky little bitch. And then the second thing is, the second reason why it is the devil's plant, other than like the the reaction our bodies have to the oils, um, is that the reaction is often delayed. Like I clean some poison ivy, wearing gloves, I clean some poison ivy out of um, like a garden along my house uh, like a week ago, a week and a half at this point. And at like day six or seven, I was like, cool, got got through that, like clean and safe, no poison ivy, maybe like a bump here or there. Like day eight, it was all over my body. <laughs> <laughs> and it's awful. It like, it is like a, it's like sex is great, but have you ever itched poison ivy and experienced the extreme pleasure that lasts for like five seconds right after itching it? I have and, not, no. <laughs> Okay, so now that our chicken topic has turned into poison ivy. <laughs> it feels like poison ivy is like the the coronavirus of plants. It is. Where it's like you can't really 14, recognize it. Like, yeah, yeah people have different day. symptoms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, everywhere and nowhere at the same time. Yeah. And I know that I can just like go to an emergency room and get like a steroid and it'll be gone in like five seconds. But why do that when I could meticulously cover myself with cortisone cream <laughs> four to eight times a day um, for the next week? You could week? probably like go online and even like get a prescription for that shit. Yeah, I'm yeah, I'm I'm at that point. It's just become so uncomfortable. And if you could well, see me right now, you'd be like even more gay than you are now. <laughs> you'd be like, <laughs> look at this womanly body covered in red bumps um and it seems like if if poison ivy is going to be a recurring thing in your future like maybe we should we should pre-up that with some some steroid cream for future use yeah i have i know i have it i'm holding it right now okay anyway i i'm ready to do the podcast now i just needed to like <laughs> complain about my poison ivy and i'll make sure to send you some pictures of it <laughs> That's legit. Um, remind me to tell you about my armpit rash when we're not on air. <laughs> See, folks, we're humans just like you. Please don't take our advice. <laughs> All right. Let's, okay, let's talk uh, about our check-in. I actually love our check-in. What is it today? Tell, tell, tell the people, Sam. Um, so it's inspired by a letter from Grateful Anonymous, who is from Texas. Um, and Grateful basically writes about... Being in a relationship with someone and their anxious and sort of codependent ideas and understandings of the world coming out in giving their partner tests. Mm, in um, the form of tests. Yeah. So the and example. And we're not talking like multi, multi, multiple question tests. Oh my God. I would love if Peter like made math tests for me to fill out. <laughs> like, honestly, that would be my love language. Do you remember when we started talking about your love of worksheets? <laughs> yes. I love worksheets. Things that validate me and make me feel like I have value by getting something done. Oh my God. And that you're smart. Yes, exactly. Um, uh, but the examples that 
uh, Grateful gave in her letter uh, was um, saying things to their partner like, my ex reached out to me. I'm so desirable. Or someone asked me, yeah, what do you think about that? As a ways to like make their partner a little jealous or to like Mm -hmm. see how they're going to react in that situation to make sure that they like love them enough to like get jealous when Mm -hmm. something like that happens. Um, And I thought it would be fun to talk about uh, tests and whether or not we do them or like what we think they are or why we do them. Um, Yeah. So what do you think? Well, let's give a couple more examples of tests. Like if I was going to test you, I'd be like, oh, so this other friend that I'm hanging out with all the time, like wants to start a podcast with me. (laughs) (laughs) And I'd be like, great. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I fail that test. You want to know why? Because I would like burst into tears. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, Yeah. So other examples of tests being like... um, uh, you know, oh, so-and-so was flirting with me. What do you think about that? Or even like, I think that person was flirting with you. Aren't you going to do something about it? Or I don't know. What What else do you think? Oh, we've, think we've gotten letters also... about people like making fake accounts, you know, mm. and like, ch- and like checking on their folks' Instagrams and like sending them like fake DMs. Yeah, I think that there's like that type of test, which is like, how can I make this person jealous type of test? Mm -hmm. Um, But I also think there's other ones like, I'm not going to text him for four days and see how he responds to that. Or like, great example. I'm not going to pick up his dirty socks for the rest of the week and see how long it takes him to like (laughs) pick them up himself. Is that that personal? (laughs) Uh, No, because I I don't. Because I'm a grown man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I like don't. The thing is, is that like, if I don't pick up the dirty socks for a week, there's still th- like, it's, it obviously doesn't bother Peter. It only bothers me. So like, what's the mm. point of me putting myself through the hell of this instead of just being like, cool, I'm just going to pick these up. <laughs> this takes yeah. like four seconds of my time. Yeah. What's the issue? And then Peter will always close all the cabinet doors behind me. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so and the root of test, you kind of touched on it. The root on test of test, it might feel like a way of like getting some clarity or like getting some reassurance. Um, it might feel as though you are setting these tests up in a way that like maintains a level of uh, power or like not even in a, like a power dynamic way, but that like you might feel like you have the upper hand, like testing your partner in this way, but really it's a, it's a manifestation of great anxiety and insecurity and that a, that we might have been taught to react that way. We might have been taught to not trust love or to not trust our partners until they've proven their love to us through a series of like Olympic level, you know, um, social, social and romantic tests. Mm-hmm. But, um, it's not the satiation we get from our partners passing these quote unquote tests is um, it's a salve. It's, it's like a sugar pill, you know, it's not real comfort. It's not real security. Yeah. I think it's, um, you know, we talk about this all the time, but like, I think it's, it is trying to exert control over things that we don't actually have control over. Right. Right. And so like getting your partner to feel jealous of something of you, right? Like that makes you feel like you're in control. You're like, oh, cool. That means that I, that my partner really wants to be with me and that I can uh, make sure that they will always want to, to be by my side. 
Um, right. And like, that's never the reality. We can never be certain of that. Um, and I think tests are just a, a manifestation of that. And I think that they're like a really unhealthy manifestation of it. Right. Because right. it, it, again, like you said, it's like, it's about tricking people, right? It's about like getting the upper hands. Like, I think that the best way to deal with that type of anxiety is to like talk to your partner, right. And be like, I'm feeling really anxious about us right now. And um, I just like want to have a conversation to like talk about our feelings and and make sure that we're still on the same page together as right. opposed to being like, I'm going to I'm going to assuage my feelings of insecurity by proving to this person that I am desirable to other people and and making them jealous. Right. Like that. And, and I would go even a step farther. Like it, I totally agree that it's it's not just that you have to maybe potentially communicate with your partner. It's that you're going to have to communicate with yourself <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and, you know, this might o- oversimplify it, but like self-soothe in a way, right? Oh, I'm feeling insecure. I'm feeling anxious. Um, perhaps a certain amount of this insecurity and anxiety is, is rooted in what I intellectually can recognize as irrational. So now I have to put my head and heart work, heart work tools to the test and try to talk sense into my anxiety and try to, uh, it's almost like, like a form of self parenting, you know, mm-hmm. to, to, cause I used to do stuff like this. Like one, I was, or am trying and trying to combat my anxiously attached self. And, um, so something in me just didn't trust the love of my partners. And so I used to do little things like this, like, um, set them up, uh, for not in like weird schemes or anything, but like set them up for an opportunity so that they could like double down or prove their love for me or ultimately disappoint me. But I guess to my, to my past self and to anybody else who like, who has the the bad habit of these tests, I would say, um, do you, do we really want our love proven to us through jealousy or mm-hmm. through, um, you know, uh, acts of grand, um, commitment or, um, you know, through such a weird, petty sidestepping, or do we really, do we actually want to put, you know, our metaphorical money where our metaphorical mouth is and really invest in, in a stable, uh, committed relationship or whatever that relationship looks like. Um, and to me that, that level of work is, is sitting through those hard conversations. It's answering those calls of insecurity with, uh, our head and heart work tools, you know, um, it just doesn't, it's not like we made the metaphor, you made the, the amazing metaphor last last week about weak broth. <laughs> and that's like weak broth, bro. Like your yeah. boyfriend being jealous of a fake Instagram DM that you told him about or whatever. That's weak broth, man. Like mm-hmm. we don't, we, that's not sustainable security. Sustainable security comes from within and it comes from healthy, uh, nourished relationships. Absolutely. And it's like making a fake Instagram account so that you can message yourself is like a lot of work. Like imagine what you could, (laughs) what you could be doing with all of that, like creativity and, and like passion, right? Like not pouring it into, right. Not pouring it into like fake messages, but like pouring it into, I don't know, something that might 
sustain you or fulfill you. And I, guess I just think. Yeah, no. And to that point, uh, like continuing, Sam, if if that's what we want, you know, if we're like, oh, my God, like I feel really insecure. I want my boyfriend or my partner or my girlfriend to affirm me, like maybe I'll make them jealous and that will make them spring into action. Is there a way that we can just stop and be like, this is redonkulous. I need, <laughs> you know, like, is there a way that we can like gently call ourselves out to, to hold ourselves accountable to that greater head and heart work, which is not playing these stupid games anymore, you know? Mm. Um, so I have a friend that has a cleaning person that comes to his house like once a month or whatever. And he mm-hmm. likes to leave little tests for them, like a little sock under a rug to see if they find God. it. I'm wildly <laughs> uncomfortable with that. <laughs> right? So like, I think that, that so if you're uncomfortable, right? Mental... <laughs> like terrorism like that's so fucked up i know and so i was like i was hesitant to share the story but i'm also like i think if we if you think that that's fucked up like it's also like similarly intimate partners like Like, think about what we do do with our intimate partners yeah to your intimate partner right like to to like put a sock under a rug and see if your cleaning person catches it is like so much less like emotionally manipulative (laughs) than like Mm -hmm. creating a fake Instagram account and sending yourself a message from it. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. and so like the, the grossness that I feel about the way that my friend does that. And like, to be clear, we have talked about it. He still does it, but that's fine. Um, Like I, that grossness is like, also like, I think that we're just so socially indoctrinated to think about relationships as being so, um adversarial right like yes. we have to constantly be like tricking people into falling for us or tricking people into proving that they love us that like i want to rewrite that and wow. have us look at that and be like this is actually really gross what we're doing to each other <laughs> wow I, 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 okay and that makes me think about that's such a pro- profound statement like the adversarial comment um and it reminds me this is just going to be a typical example of me misquoting something and not remembering where I saw it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But it was the idea that um, trying to, to trying to force someone to love you or to try to win someone's love um, in, in that kind of manipulative, like uh, I'm going to get you sort of way um, is not love. It's bartering. Right. Mm. It's the idea of, or, or it's an, it's a, it's a collateral exchange. It's not a true, um, it's not a true love if it's based solely on the return of something else, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that connects to your idea of like adversarial love that, that we are, it's like me against you and we're going to, I'm going to fucking get you to love me. You know, and I'm going to get you to show it. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you that I am a wanted, desired thing. And you, you know, you got to prove yourself to me or whatever. And don't don't get us wrong. Sam and I see ourselves in this. It's I think Mm -hmm. the behaviors that we're talking about are really human solely because we are not born with the tools to be competent, emotionally aware humans in romantic relationships. We're just not. We, none of us are born with all the tools. But this is a perfect example of just wanting to be better and sort of like, 
I know a lot of these habits might feel really ingrained, um, but but you just sort of have to hold yourself really accountable. Like mm-hmm. you have to, I think when Sam and I talk about boundaries, we, we talk about boundaries in between two people a lot, but there are boundaries that you can set within yourself to say, I'm not going to cross this boundary because I don't like who I become when I overstep this boundary. Absolutely. Yeah. There's so much that we have learned that we are also equally capable of unlearning too, right? Like like all of these things feel ingrained, but that doesn't mean that they are right. That doesn't Mm. mean that they are like, they are built into our DNA, right? It just means that, that we have to unlearn them with the same intention that they were taught to us. Absolutely, And, And so much that we have been taught has been, really intentional and has been oh really my God. pervasive. And think about, ugh, think about every like rom-com or particularly, I think like television shows are really bad at perpetuating unhealthy romantic dynamics like this. Like, mm-hmm. like how many television shows, particularly for like tweens um, are, or teenagers, you know, um, I never watched Lizzie McGuire, so please forgive me, any Lizzie McGuire fans. Um, but like that type of age or, or genre are are like literally based on like um, Hannah Montana style, like dressing up as somebody else or like trick playing weird tricks on each other. And it's like, haha, this is funny. And then you're like, oh, wait, social engagements look nothing like this. <laughs> <laughs> and also like the fact that we are taking our relationship hints from TV shows for tweens might yeah, be an indication Disney? that like, <laughs> right. That yeah. maybe we should, we should be evolving beyond that. Yeah. Um, but like friends too, I think about like a, a, a TV show that is really popular for our generation. Um, and, and really widely watched, I think, um, yeah. think about all the weird fuckery <laughs> that went on. And I know sure. that I'm, sh- I'm sure that there are like diehard friends, friends fans out there that are like no there are good things too but just like the the perpetuation of that trickery or that adversarialness that you talked about um really makes it feel as though that's our only instinctual option whereas like you said it's not our instincts it's not ingrained like we can be better mm-hmm. all right well we as I anticipated, we talked that to death. <laughs> At the beginning of the episode, I was like, I'm afraid we're going to talk about this too long, but oh well. All right. You ready to get into a letter? Let's do it. Okay. The first letter is from a little suspicious who is writing from Minneapolis. I love that name. Dear Sierra and Sam, I just want to start off by thanking you lovely humans for the work that you do. Listening to your podcast has helped me navigate holding space for my feelings, owning my own sexual needs and preferences, and has just generally made me a better friend and partner. So thank you. Thank you. I'll just jump right in. I've been in a hetero relationship with my partner. We'll call him Greg for about five years, minus the month in the middle where we broke up. I'll talk about this later. I trust and love him so much, and we've been living together for just over a year. So my partner's ex, we can call her Phyllis, because why not, (laughs) texted (laughs) Greg this week out of the blue asking for an, quote, informational interview about his career as she was thinking of making her career change. Greg told me about it right away when she texted and I just said, oh, weird, internally considering all the possible alternative meanings of uh, informational interview and trying to be the, quote, chill girlfriend. He responded, 
he responded that he'd be open to a virtual meeting with COVID and all. Hours later, she started texting him about how she's been dreaming of him every night recently, how she doesn't want it to be weird, but how she also thinks she needs to, quote, look back on her past to see where her future should go. Internal alarm bells. This is the ex who would semi-frequently drunk text or call Greg early on in our relationship after dumping him before we got together. And one time, Greg even went to rescue her when she was too drunk to get home. Super cute. They also hooked up when we were broken up, I, which I have no problems with in the context of our breakup. Just kind of adds a layer here. Greg feels bad about this hookup as he did out of loneliness and not out of care for her and feels there could have been hurt there. Anyway, Greg told Phyllis that this made him uncomfortable, him being in her dreams, and even more so her telling him about it after just asking him for some career advice. But the trusting angel that he is, he also tried to explain any weirdness away. We've had some productive conversations and I am far more suspicious than he is in general. But he acknowledges that my feelings aren't unfounded and that this is a weird situation. His instinct is to give her the benefit of the doubt, but to go into this ready for it to be kind of awkward. I realize that this is ultimately a boundary he has to make for himself, and I trust him 100% that nothing bad or necessarily detrimental to our relationship would happen. I also acknowledge that there is a possibility that this is actually about professional developments. Hard shrug. But I have a few questions. One, is it weird that I low-key want to see this played out for my own entertainment slash horror? Schadenfreude. Is that how you say it? Schadenfreude? Schadenfreude but simultaneously want them not to be communicating anymore. Two, Greg has said that if this is truly an issue for me, he'll just call off the meeting. Am I a controlling partner if I ask him to not to do this? Three, if Greg is wondering if Phyllis has trauma to work out from their own relationship or their hookup while we were broken up, do I need, just, do I need to just stay out of it? Thanks so much for reading. Love you both. From A Little Suspicious. All right, a little suspicious. Thank you so much for writing. Um, Sam, please tell our listeners what Schadenfreude is. <laughs> um, it is a German word that basically means like the joy that we feel in other people's demise. <laughs> and I, I needed Sam to uh, define that because... In the letter, he starred that question and wrote, I relate and underlined relate. <laughs> uh, uh, no, because it's true. Um, a little suspicious. I love this letter um, yeah, because I, I feel like um, I feel like nine times out of ten, like Sierra really relates to letters in a way that I don't quite understand. Um, <laughs> But like, this is the one time out of 10 where I'm like, yeah, no, no, me and a little suspicious are for sure kindred spirits. Uh, well, because- <laughs> and I think that that sentiment is pretty not universal, but it's a weird part of our humanity that like not everybody wants to admit to. <laughs> right. Oh, my God. When you were like, I just can I is it weird that part of me wants to watch this shit show play out so that I can like stand back and observe it? I'm like, yeah, no, I love this idea of you being like, yeah, honey. You go into this conversation with her. I'm sure it's about professional development and not about the weird dream she's been she's been having about you. I was like, and then just like wanting to watch it unfold. Yeah, and then like coming back, and then and then him coming back, and you being like, "Yep, I told you so." Like, oh, I right. relate to that so much. That is, 
being an, like an outside observer of my own life and always being right, like brings me such <laughs> satisfaction. So I 100% um, relate to you a little suspicious. And I want to add to I want to add to that a little bit. And that when I read it too, the part that I connected with my like my person, I saw my personality in this letter was that I would almost want to go through with the call for like a whole other unhealthy reason connected kind of to our check-in topic and my anxious attachment um, style is that I would not, in most circumstances, I would not be secure enough nor like healthy enough to say, no, this crosses a boundary for me. Just leave it. Like the way I've always struggled with like black, black, black and things like Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. I would almost want to go through it because I would be, um, it's like a weird test, right? Isn't it? Mm -hmm. Can it be seen as that of like, um, either like your boyfriend gets to prove his love for you or Phyllis gets to prove that she, um, is unstable and is, is still wants your boyfriend. And so like, there's like this, there's this elusiveness about the potential drama that calls to my anxiously attached heart to be like, oh, you could either be rejected or loved here and the drama will bring you closer. And that's like mm. a disgusting part of my personality <laughs> that like I work hard to to not pull out. But I, I do you do you connect to that at all? Um, yeah, I can see the motivation behind it. Um, mm-hmm. But I. <laughs> As a person, I think, I think it's just like comes down to, again, to attachment styles where it's like, um, as a person who is, you know, like has spent most of my life being dismissive and has like moved into secure, just the idea Mm -hmm. of like, well, if that person, like if that person fails this test and proves that like, there's still feelings there, like it's no, it's no, nothing on me. Like who cares? Whatever. Yeah. Um, like I would take more, I would take more satisfaction in the being right about mm-hmm. it than in like the, the proving that, that, um, or in like the pain of it. Right. And, and you know what, like thinking of, again, thinking about attachment styles and people who are naturally secure. Like I remember when Will and I first got together, I wanted to know so much about, um, her last relationship and I wanted to almost like. Um, I was, I was like, I was nervous that her last relationship would impact this relationship, maybe Mm. because of past or past examples or whatever. But she kept saying like, it's, it it is like, this is in my past. Like, what is it? What does it matter? You know, like, what is it like that person's not in my life anymore. And Mm -hmm. I, I bring that up, that up just to connect it to this idea of, I almost wanted the test. I almost wanted to be proven right or wrong instead of being so secure in myself and this new budding relationship. Mm-hmm. I almost, oh my God, honestly, like connecting it to the um, check-in topic of like, I almost, I wanted to like run into her ex at the, like at a bar to see how she would react so that I would know instead of just securely trusting that she's moved on, like that Willow had moved on with her life. Mm-hmm. Um and so bringing it to a little suspicious, Sam and I relate to you. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Um, but what yeah, is, so, ro- what's the, wh- why, what is it about the three of us? I'll include you a little suspicious, suspicious that, um, 
that can't walk away or like to your point, Sam, why, why does it take that external validation to feel right? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think, so I'm going to, I'm going to respond to you a little suspicious as if you and I are very similar. Um, and from your letter, that's what I'm getting. Like, it feels like you're pretty secure in in your relationship mm-hmm. with Greg. Like, it feels like you have a level of confidence that I think is great. Um, but what I'm getting from your letter that I also struggle with is like, is that I always see myself as an outside observer of these things, right? Mm. Like, like you are looking at this situation between Greg and his ex as if you are not involved in it. Right. But like Mm. the reality is, is that you are in a relationship with Greg. And so therefore you are involved in it. Right. And what Greg does in his conversation with Phyllis does impact you. Mm. Right. Like you are not here to just look at this situation and see how it goes and decide whether or not you were right about her still having feelings from hit for him. Right. You are in a relationship with this person who is potentially going to talk to this to his ex and it's going to complicate things in your relationship. Like you are you are not just there to watch this all happen. You are an active participant in it. So mm-hmm. I would encourage you to sit in that and say, like, what is this, what does Greg's relationship with Phyllis have to do with me? How does it affect me in my emotions, in my body, in my feelings about Greg himself? Right? Like, I am not just here to watch this all happen. I am an active participant. So if you feel and my guess is, is that like, it probably does feel gross that he's going to go talk to this person and you have this suspicion that she's going to like put all of these feelings on him. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and it probably is like, you probably don't want that to happen. Like you probably would rather just have the situation be without her in it so that you can just have Greg to yourself. So like, I just want you to sit in the feelings of this and not just pretend like it's all it's all a cerebral exercise, right? And mm-hmm. I say that to you because I have to say that to me all the time too. Like, how am I actually feeling about this? Like, right. not like, what do I think about this? How am I feeling about the fact that this person has popped up in my in my boyfriend's life and is like acting shady, right? Like, right. it's weird to tell your ex who is in a relationship with another person that you're dreaming about them all the time. Like, Yes, it is. <laughs> like, that that's is called not just a boundary like a... crossing, Sierra, <laughs> yeah, right. circa 2010. <laughs> oh, I forgot that that's, yeah. Okay. That was just I'm me, 100%. To... <laughs> I just, I 100% would do that. <laughs> good, good. What were you saying? No, I just like, I'm forgetting that that's, <laughs> that's how you you might have reached out to some people about things in the past. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, what's so funny, Sam, is that I know you're referencing something specific and I have no idea what it is, but I know I did it. <laughs> <laughs> like right now, for some reason, I cannot uh, remember what you're, t- what you're referencing, but I just uh, know hilarious. myself so well that I know you're talking about something specific and I know I did it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, um, yeah, it's a boundary crossing, I, w- I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and to your second question, too, like, if it's truly an issue for him or for you, call- and you, he said you can call off the meeting, um, and you ask if that makes you a controlling partner, um, and I would say no. I would say I'm no, too. In- okay. I would say, I would say no. I would say yes, 
if the ex reached out and didn't cross the boundary, if the Mm -hmm. ex reached out and was like, Hey, can I have this, uh, career informational thing? That would be fine. If, if it, if it didn't cross, but it did, uh, basically the ex is saying, I want your advice on a career on this career. And I also want to talk about our, our past and the relationship. And I think that is, that's that in my relationships or in my, um, my dynamics, I think I would say, I don't feel comfortable with that or, Mm -hmm. or, or why, (laughs) Right. Absolutely. No. And I think, I think it's important for you to trust your partner too. Right. Like he has said, he has offered this to you, right. It's Mm. not like you are, you are, he's adamant about having this meeting and you are, you know, trying to tell him, no, absolutely. You can't have it. Right. Like that's a very different situation, but he's offered you something and said, like, if you're uncomfortable for sure, um, I can call this off. Right. And, but the question for you then I think is important is like, are you uncomfortable with it? Mm, <laughs> right. Totally. Like you have not, you in not this be, in, yeah. right. You haven't in this entire letter talked about anything that you're feeling about the situation, right? Like right. you're explaining why it's suspicious. Like you're explaining, like you are giving me all of the facts and why all of it makes sense intellectually. And I appreciate and love that about you. But like, how do you feel about the fact that that his ex is reaching out to him and like telling her him about her dreams. Like, like I can totally get behind this idea of um, all of this logically makes sense. And there's no reason for, I'm okay to have this emotion if there's a logical reason for me being suspicious. Right. But like, what I want you to do is just sit in the feeling, like, are you uncomfortable? Are you feeling weird about this fact that, that this is happening? Um, because then I think you'll be able to make a more informed decision about what you want your partner to do. If you can acknowledge what, like what is happening with you internally. Mm -hmm. I also want to add the idea that we can't control this ex. Like we cannot control whether this ex reaches out to your boyfriend or crosses the boundaries. Like we have no control over that you have a little bit of control over what you establish as boundaries within your relationship. So Mm -hmm. I would, I would make sure during this process, you're reflecting on, like Sam says, how you feel and then how, how your partner's feeling, uh, but not about the, the, this ex Phyllis's actions Um, because the audacity or the inappropriateness or the appropriateness or the confusing or the slightly suspicious activity of Phyllis is so outside of your control that you'll run yourself ragged trying to anticipate it or control it. Um, Mm. That being said, like if this was me a little suspicious, I would be like, okay, cool. You can have like, have your meeting with this person, like have it out in the living room where the conversation is public. Um, Not that I want to like eavesdrop, but so that Phyllis knows that this isn't like a private getaway, that this Mm. is, that this is like a public space in this shared apartment um, conversation because it is a professional. So, so you, you two are setting the boundaries within your relationship and then Phyllis can choose whether or not she wants to cross them. Um, And then furthermore, I would ask Greg to block her um, Mm. after this. I mean, 
Sam is normally like the queen of black, black, black. But in this instance, it doesn't sound like they're like, like, sure, have this one meeting or not. Like Sam said, like, it's totally fine for you to be like, I don't love this. I don't love how this person like pops into our lives and stresses us out. But um, I would, I would put forth the black, black, black question of like, why, why do we leave the door open for this person to like disrupt our otherwise really good life mm-hmm. um, or stable life? Uh, what do you think about that idea? I think what would be instead of asking her to block or asking him to block her, I think being really candid with him about how these situations have made you feel is probably more important, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um. You know, I think being candid about the fact, well, first you have to be candid with yourself, <laughs> but but then also being candid with Greg to say like, you know, the fact that she, um, you know, she's reaching out in this way, the fact that she like pops up all the time and and is really disruptive to our relationship makes me feel sad, like makes me feel um, confused, makes me well, feel like I, I am not. I think the black, black, black for me was like, why does she have access to, to you guys? And I, sure. I don't mean that so rigidly as a black, 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 I guess, but like to your point, her ability to like pop in and disrupt things um, is concerning to me, you know? But I think where we run into problems in relationship is when we just ask our partners to do things without, yeah, 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 without yeah. talking about what's actually happening. Right. Which like is what's that behind like, them, right. Right. Is that, it's not that, Greg needs to block this person. Like that's a, that is a symptom of the problem here. It's that Greg needs to establish healthier boundaries with people. And you, my love, a little suspicious need to be more emotionally present in this relationship. Right. And instead of stepping back and watching the, the shenanigans unfold, recognize that you are also being deeply affected by what's happening here. right? Right. And, and being honest about that and talking to Greg about it, because the easy thing is, is it, I say this from my own experience, right? Like the easy thing is to just step back, right? And let, and pretend like the things that are happening aren't affecting me in any real way, mm-hmm. right? But you have to step into these things and say, the fact that this is happening, the fact that she keeps coming into our lives, the fact that you hooked up, even though you we were broken up, does affect me, does mm-hmm. elicit emotions in me. And so let's talk yeah, about totally. those emotions, how this person makes you feel, how the their actions make you feel, how the boundary crossing makes you feel is actually going to help you and Greg decide together collectively as a partnership what is actually going to be most beneficial for you in your relationship, right? And that's how you begin to to be able to establish boundaries together as a couple and not just a boundaries yes. for yourself. Yes, I love that idea. Together, boundaries together. Um, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Anything else you want to touch on? I feel like you just summarized that so well. No, I think I think you're right to be a little suspicious, a little suspicious. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I think you can have a really great conversation with Greg about this. Um, and I and I have faith that you can do it in a way that is authentic to you and how you're feeling. Um, and won't make you feel controlling or um, or put up walls between you and what's actually happening yeah. right now. Oh, and the, uh, the other thing I want to say is like this conversation could happen and be fine. Like uh, I thought of this when you said you have a right to be a little suspicious. Um, like, 
you have what you have a right to be suspicious over is um, the boundaries that you and Greg have established in your relationship. Not that Greg would do anything and not that this mm. this woman would have an impact on your relationship. It sounds like you have a secure and healthy enough relationship where you don't feel threatened by this woman, more annoyed, you know what I mean? Yeah, like more right. annoyed that it, like this is even happening. So it's not that you, it's not that Sam and I think you should be suspicious of Greg um, mm-hmm. You might want to be suspicious of Phyllis, but ph- again, Phyllis can't touch you. Phyllis can't touch your love. She can't, she can't, she's not going to impact your, your happiness or your relationship, but she might inconvenience you guys. Um, and I say all of that to say like this conversation could happen and it could go fine. Um, but what Sam is really touching on, which I appreciate is what boundaries are you establishing as a couple moving forward for for both of your benefits for his ability to move on and to let go of that extra um thing from his past and for yours to prior you know to 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 include yourself in the equation of all things going on in Mm. your relationship absolutely thank you so much for writing we love you so much Y'all, as a self-employed person, as a mom of a toddler, I am always struggling with finding time to manage my finances. At the end of a busy week, the last thing I want to do is spend time budgeting all of my expenses or tracking down customer service teams to cancel old subscriptions I no longer use. But now I use Rocket Money and it does all of that for me. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. With Rocket Money, you have full control over your subscriptions and a clear view of your expenses. You can see all your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, Rocket Money can help cancel it with a few taps. I love how the dashboard shows me this month's spending compared to last month so I can clearly see my spending habits and check myself if needed. Plus, they'll help me create a custom budget and keep my spending on track. Rocket Money will even help try to negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with customer service for you, which I obviously love as a somewhat introverted, conflict-avoidant person. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Rocket Money has over 5 million subscribers and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash just break up. That's rocketmoney.com slash just break up. Rocketmoney.com slash just break up. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets, sweaters, and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. Quince has things like premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar 
brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. This past month, I treated myself to a pair of new slippers because I'm in that hashtag mom life era of my life um, in which (laughs) um, I am never not in slippers. And these are 100% Australian shearling lined clog slippers. And I love that they're slip on, but they have those durable rubber outsoles. They're super cushy, super comfortable, but I feel like I can run outside to like take the trash out in them while also like staying warm and active in the house. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right. Our next letter comes from financially frustrated in Philadelphia who is writing, obviously, from Philadelphia. (laughs) Hi, Sam and Sierra. Thank you so much for everything you do. You inspire me every day to be kinder to the world around me and myself. You you are simply the best. I am a cis 24-year-old female in a nearly four-year relationship with a 27-year-old man. Let's call him Patrick. Patrick and I have been steady since day one, y'all. Both of our last relationships have been dumpster fires of epic proportions. We learned to communicate with each other about our feelings towards all the important topics and our future together, religion, political views, finances, children, the whole nine yards. And since then, everything seemed clear and easy, path wide open to our future. We've been living together for nearly two years now. There are, were promises of a proposal and wedding, a house with a fence so our future dog can run around, all the works. Then everything changed when Rona attacked the entire fucking world. Mm. While I work a rather unchanged, except now remote, nine-to-five corporate job, Patrick is, without a better term, epically fucked. He's a wedding photographer and a damn good one. But, you know, social res- socially responsible groups in Philadelphia are less than 25 people, which, of course, is a deal-breaker for a lot of weddings. Congrats on yours, BTW Sierra. <laughs> oh, thank you. Now, a lot of the weddings he's booked are canceling, and a good portion of them are asking for full refunds instead of keeping Patrick on and extending to a future date. His rejected income is slipping lower and lower. I'm scared shitless. I tried to help pick himself up off the floor and find a temporary job or other source of income, but he just wants to stay on that floor and mope. I work my full-time job as well as several part-time jobs. I work hard and often work overtime, and I'm proud of the work I do. It's helped me accumulate savings, and I have saved enough to start house hunting. I feel so proud and accomplished of what I've done, and like the road ahead of me is wide Mm. open and full of options. Patrick has had the door slammed shut on him. Virtually no savings, and he's bleeding money every day he's not working and refunding his bank account. On several occasions, I've asked and pleaded that he start working for something to supplement his photography money, and he brushes me off and will usually give me a snide, I will, and it's not like I'm qualified for anything. Then he'll go on a diatribe about how the general expectation of a 40-hour work week is bullshit and a terrible exploit of America's work-life balance. And I get it, but it's also where we are right now. It makes me feel like he discredits everything I work hard to do. Hmm. Guys, I wish I could say I'm a saint of a partner, but I'm not. When I see him sitting on the couch playing video games while I'm fighting to get a spare minute to eat or pee during the day, during the workday, I get frustrated and sad and anxious and all of the horrible things. 
And lately, I've become resentful and angry. I'm so ready to move forward and achieve my goals. And if he were in the same position as me, we'd be ready to move forward together. Instead, I feel like I'm being held back. I'm also scared for our future. How does Patrick's response to Corona reflect how he'll act in future times of hardship? Am I a terrible person for feeling like he doesn't have his priorities straight? Am I overreacting and not giving him enough of a chance to fix his situation? Any and all advice is welcome. Thank you so much for reading. Financially frustrated in Philadelphia. Oh, FFPH. Um, yeah. Thank you what so a much fun for writing. Acronym. Yeah. Um, I really appreciate this letter and I really feel for both of you really. And for God, everyone during this pandemic, um, I, you're in a really hard spot and, and I want to acknowledge a couple things. One, I'm, we are very proud of you. And you should, like you said, you should be proud of everything that you're working to build. Like mm-hmm. congratulations on get preparing to buy a house. Like this is all, um, all exciting things. Um, and at the same time, the stress, uh, like I feel for your partner as, as a uniquely employed person, I'll say, um, I can't imagine what sort of, um, stress that, that must bring, um, and, Mm -hmm. and depression and grief, um, to have your entire, um, career set aside or like taken away from you um in such a swift scary motion um and that that's stressful for you outside of a pandemic money is a point of contention and challenge in relationships outside of a pandemic (laughs) no absolutely yeah financial Um, stuff is like one of the major reasons why relationships end um, yes because it is so fraught Yes. And, and like, let that just sit in, sink in for a second. Is that like, you might go into a relationship or a marriage or a partnership, not wanting to think about money, but whether you choose to think about it or not, it still has a great impact on our love life. And that's fucked up. No, absolutely. And I think your, your example financially frustrated is, is also a good one, right? Like, mm-hmm. It's not even that, you know, you could talk about money and, and finances in a really healthy way um, at from the beginning of your relationship. And then something can happen like this that can throw all of that into disarray, right? Like mm-hmm. it is, I want to say like, you know, I think that even relationships, like when, when we talk about finances, Ben, or being the reason why relationships end. It's not just because people didn't talk about finances. It's also because like finances, finances can be so volatile that they can also throw what were healthy relationships into unhealthiness because of the, the, the way in which our society has absolutely no protections for people and losing your job means losing your health insurance and means losing all of your income. And, um, and so just want to say that like, I don't want anyone to get on a high horse about being like, well, we talk about finances all the time, right? Like finances are just so emotionally fraught that even when we're talking about them, even when we're prepared for things, um, they can still deeply impact a relationship in ways that we might not be expecting. Yes. I also want to, I think I want to start, um, maybe it's the artist in me that I I see the grief coming through here from your, Mm. from your significant other and the lack of uh, like the self-loathing 
um, the, the comment, um, I'm not qualified for anything, things like that. Um, mm-hmm. I want to ask you financially frustrated. I know that you're tired and I know that, um, you feel stressed and anxious and that you're working your 40 hours a week on top of trying to sustain life and a relationship and whatever else. Um, but I want to encourage um, you to encourage your partner to to um, face that sort of negative self-talk um, f- like front on, um, combating it, A, with either, obviously, Sam and I love to suggest any mental health services um, that are available, um, but also the just just to be able to say like, if you could, if you could in your conversations about money and moving forward, make sure that you're weaving in, um, not just affirmations about him professionally, but the, I just to validate the idea that like all, all, uh, professions are valid. No, what, no matter what they look like, um, and qualifications are different and, and just try to break down that hierarchy that we were kind of like indoctrinated into of like, that um, the highest paying people are the most qualified, most important people. That's mm-hmm. not true. That's a lie capitalism tells us. And I know just like, uh, this is not the most important part of this answer, um, financially frustrated, but I just wanted to start by saying, um, help your partner. Uh, how about this? Your partner's going to need help dismantling the that capitalistic lie inside his heart, you know, mm-hmm. because if I was in this position and I have been a couple times, I just think like, fuck man, fuck. Why did I spend so much time being an artist? Why, why am I a grown person who has no qualifications? Like fuck, but your partner can always start somewhere. Your partner has important and necessary skills. And mm-hmm. just because capitalism doesn't value creative endeavors as much as it values capitalistic ones um, doesn't mean your partner doesn't have um, any uh, qualifications. Yep. Small little artistic rant, but now let's get into talking about it's we're kind of talking about money and an ambition. Maybe is that the right word? I don't know. It's hard because of the pandemic. It's not just like he's, it's not just like your partner's like a, uh, unenthusiastic about getting a new job. It's like mm-hmm. there's a global pandemic and there are so many limitations on top of the fact that his career was basically taken away from him. Yep, for sure. Um, yeah. And I think, um, I think honestly, um, financially frustrated, I would say that you are, uh, you are legitimately frustrated, but I think that your frustration is focused on the wrong thing. Mm. Um, right. Like, I think that your frustration right now is focused on your, your partner who, um, according to whatever standard you have, isn't showing up enough in this moment. Right. But Mm -hmm. I think what is, you are actually frustrated at is the fact that this stupid virus has disrupted all of our plans and disrupted Mm. all of our lives in such a huge and uncontrollable way. Right. Like it feels like and I think that the reason that you're focusing on how your partner is responding to this crisis is because it feels like you have more control over what he does than what this virus does, mm-hmm. right? It is easier for you to be mad at him for not trying to get a job than it is for you to say, 
I just have absolutely, the reality is, is that I have no control over what is happening with this virus, when we will get back to um, him being able to find a job. And it means that all of the work that I have done, all of the planning I've done, the saving that I've done is now being taken away from me, right? <laughs> like this future and this plan that I had set up is no longer feasible right now because of this thing that is wholly outside of my control. And mm-hmm. that is incredibly frustrating. It's incredibly scary. Um, and it, I think it's incredibly natural then to not want to focus on that reality of having to to let go of the the future that we thought that we had, of this perfect relationship that we thought that we had, and real and accept the fact that like it was never actually in our control. It was never actually something that was that was fixed for us, right? Like it was never something that we were guaranteed. And now it's just like, okay, well, I can't handle that big truth, right? Like that mm-hmm. big scary thing. And so what I'm gonna focus on instead is the fact that my stupid my stupid partner won't get a job and is playing mm-hmm. video games all the time while I'm mm-hmm. working my ass off. Um, and I just want to say to you, um, financially frustrated in a, in a loving way, that's not fair to your partner, right? Like that is not the fact that he lost his job. Isn't his fault. <laughs> mm-hmm. The fact that like his whole world got ripped out from under him. And now he is like dealing with the deep, um, mental health issues that come with feeling like you are, unequipped to do things and um, unable to move forward isn't his fault, right? Like these are all things that were also outside of his control. And I think if you and your partner can, 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 I think if you begin to see you and your partner as a, as a partnership who has been hurt by things outside of your control, rather than looking at your partner as the reason why you're not getting the things that you want, it Mm. might make it easier for you to approach him with the love and support that might actually be more helpful for him in working through some of the mental health issues that he's going through because of the fact that this virus has totally fucked up his life. Totally. Um, And I I think there's something going on here. I I think that was very profound and like you just took the, you took the deeper route of of advice, Sam. And I really appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Um, That, another thing that's going on here that we could all use like a reminder of, and don't get me wrong, financially frustrated. Sam and I know this is frustrating. Sam and I know that how easy it is to get just straight up annoyed with our partners or feel like you're shoveling like a nonstop, you're shoveling nonstop to fill a hole and it's just not filling, you know, like where you're putting Mm -hmm. it in effort again and again and again, and you just feel exhausted and frustrated and like, Sick of the bullshit. Absolutely. But all, but everything Sam said, and you know, you know that this is not the fault of your partner or your fault for not trying hard enough. This is because of a pandemic, um, and also something that I also had to capitalism. Call my, just want to throw that out there. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> cool, 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 cool. Um, something that I've had to like um, challenge myself on like hold myself accountable to the last couple years is um conflating my goodness with my pride um that you know your ability to work uh your nine to five corporate job your ability to save your ability to provide for your partner your patience for your partner your support all of this encouragement 
there's a part of me, there's a part of my like emotional DNA that, um, that I feel entitled to a certain amount of love because I know I can, I have the capacity to be good to people, um, and work hard and like earn things. I feel, I struggle with this, like my, my pride, my pride manifests in, in like a, a sense of entitlement, I think for, from, Mm. For mm-hmm. people's love or or whatever, I feel I feel when I work really hard and I love really well, I feel entitled to goodness. And what is universe? The universe taught us that we're not entitled to anything, <laughs> and we and we and we have no control. Um, and kind of going back to something I said earlier, if I love, um in or only in order to receive love back. Um, that is not my healthiest version. And similarly connecting to your letter, financially frustrated, I know you're working really hard and I know you're Mm -hmm. trying to be patient and, and, and I know, um, that you're getting frustrated and sad and anxious. And I see that and the, all of those things are okay, but all of your labor can't control your partner, um, and Mm -hmm. can't, if, if you act perfectly, if you work hard and save and support your partner perfectly, that's he, it's still not, might not be enough to push him into behaving the way you want him to behave. And so this is just like, this might be a little headier than like our normal advice, but like thinking about how can we levy our expectations with what we think we deserve? Deserve. Does that make sense? You know, mm-hmm. like how yep, do we, sure. how can you, and, and I'm only saying this because hopefully it will give your mind something to like navigate while uh, trying to find a new way to store or process this frustration with your partner. Well, you know, maybe I'm just expecting maybe because I'm working so hard and trying to be there for him. Maybe I'm expecting him to be able to to return that back to me it's not that you don't deserve it financially frustrated like we deserve everything that we desire but um it's just not promised to us in that way and that's like maybe a little depressing maybe maybe you can bring it up a notch for me (laughs) no i think it is depressing but it's not because i think um i think acknowledging the reality that you are in is actually it is actually really hopeful, right? Mm. I think, um, because I think if you and your partner now sit down, right? Like, I think, I think what's happening is that you are holding on to this idea of something that you thought, like exactly what Sierra taught said, like you thought that you were not entitled to, cause that sounds like, that sounds like a brat, but like something that you thought was fixed or like something that you thought was guaranteed. Right. And that has been taken away from you. But I think if you sit down with your partner and begin to to have a conversation more about what your shared goals are, given the reality of what's happening, it will help you find more hope in the situation that right now mm-hmm. seems really hopeless, right? If you can acknowledge the fact that like, yeah, your partner lost all of his income, like all of it, not only that, but also lost like the money that he was reliant on to like get him through to that future income, right? Like he's fucked in so many different ways in this moment. If you can Mm -hmm. sit down with him and say like, listen, I know that what we had thought was going to be this, we were going to 
I was saving money. We were going to buy a house. Like that doesn't seem feasible anymore because of the way in which this virus has deeply impacted us. But given what we have now, what can we work towards together? Right. It might not be a house because it's not that that might not be, you know, the feasible thing right now. Mm -hmm. But could it be right? Like and so we have this number, we have this amount of expenses and this much income. Right. Like one of the goals that I would like for us to work on that we could so that we can get to a good point is that like we find a way to supplement our income enough that we can make sure that we have we have we can cover all of our expenses. Right. Like, I think having that conversation rather than a like get a job bub conversation will actually create more collective buy-in, right? We'll cre- mm-hmm. we'll create more hope in the relationship rather than saying like, I'm working to to get us a house, and he's like, capitalism is fucking me over right now, and you're just like talking about two different things. Mm-hmm. So how can you how can you come together around shared language to be like here's the reality of the, our situation? How can we create some goals together that address that reality and and it's not and to say to your partner, I know it's not your fault that like now we can't afford the house that I wanted. I know it's not your fault that the world got ripped out from under you. So like let's acknowledge that the reality has shifted, but we as a partnership we as a pair of people can work together on some shared goals to get us towards feeling better about what's happening. Yes. And those shared goals might sound really uncomfortable, especially when we're talking about money and financial inequities in relationships. But uh, personal, like coming together on shared goals, they say... Like one of the best things you can do for a healthy relationship is have a shared relationship vision. Like what is your shared vision for where this partnership is going to take you? What are your goals that you're going to accomplish? Um, mm-hmm. That it you are couples in healthy marriages are something like twice as likely to um, have to succeed on money goals or, or financially, um, tied dreams if they uh, if they approach them together uh, as as a team instead of as opponents um, fighting the same problem you know mm-hmm. so that it might sound uncomfortable it might be um, vulnerable particularly for your partner who's feeling very financially vulnerable in many ways right now but this is how you can attack you know. I love what Sam said. It's this is blameless, right? This is this is not your partner's fault. This is not your fault. Um, this is this is not anything that he did or is doing right now. But how you react right now, moving forward, if you if you unify your front, if you start talking vulnerably and openly about how are we going to move forward um, together, uh, I think this is how you can um, make these dreams your reality. Absolutely. And I'm, and I want to say like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not blaming you for this, right? Like, I'm not saying like you're a bad person because of how you're going about this. Like, like, I think that this is deeply ingrained. No, absolutely. And I think this, this idea of, I think we are taught time and time again to look at, um, system issues and blame people for them, like blame Mm. specific people, right? Like it is much easier to, to say, well, if my partner would just get a fucking job, everything would be fine. Then saying like, 
wow, we are in the middle of an epidemic that's really scary and outside of my control. And we exist in a system that has no support for people who lose their jobs because of pandemics, right? Like, I think that it's it's much easier to to look at people. And I think I think we have been taught over and over again to to place the blame for people's financial failings on the person and not on the system that has created that financial failing. But I think if you are able to sort of take a step back and look at that reality and see your partner as a as a as a co-conspirator in like how you can how you can wrestle like financial security out of a system that is really sucky, it might make it easier for you to to find some peace in um, in in finding something that's going to work for you, given this reality. Absolutely. And I. And I feel you because I'm also like having similar conversations right now, um, in my own relationship. So like financial stuff is just scary. Like it's just, it's really real. And I think, um, I think that we're so taught to be so individualistic about our understanding of our success and of our understanding of our finances, that it's really hard to come into relationship with someone and then say like, Oh no, we're going to create something shared here. Like I will do like my, success is dependent on me helping you with your success too. Right. And I think that that's, that so goes against everything that we learn as, as individuals in this like very individualistic society that we live in. So it gives me hope to be able to like, to think about how we can practice this with the people that we love so that we can then begin to practice it with people that we don't know with people that Mm -hmm. um, we have been taught to be afraid of. Right. Like, I'm sorry. I'm I'm doing that thing again where I like take people's individual relationship things and like and think about how like <laughs> how fixing our one-on-one interpersonal relationships will fix the world. Um <laughs> but that's because like that's what gives me hope is that like our ability to begin to to build relationship with people rather than adversarial relationships with people that that benefit the system will begin to create radical change that I think will actually that I that gives me hope that makes me think that like we might be able to get through this shit show of a world that we live in. I totally anyway, agree. I'm sorry. A, <laughs> no, I think that's the perfect way to wrap it up because like financially frustrated, you're in a shitty situation. You're mm-hmm. in a shitty situation that's really stressful for both of you. Yep. But if you dive in now, if you're vulnerable and open and patient and um and and honest, right? Uh, I think you guys can can work through this. And, Absolutely. And that goes for everybody, right? You know, everybody in this shitty time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. Take care of each other. Recognize yeah. that 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 people are doing the best that they can in this moment and that we need to, if their best isn't working for them, then we need to find ways to be able to help and support them rather than cast blame on them. Yeah. And that we're we're being asked to solve an impossible problem. We're being asked to to win an unwinnable game of capitalism <laughs> in a pandemic. Right. Anyway, uh, this everything <laughs> about this pandemic has turned has just like activated the crazy yeah, socialist um, humanist in me. So <laughs> <laughs> nothing crazy about that, baby girl. Um, <laughs> all right, financially frustrated. We hope this helps. We are with you. We believe in you. We believe in your relationship, um, and we validate all your hard work too. Thank you so much for writing. Thank you so much. We love you.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right. Our last letter is from Anonymous Anonymous, who is writing to us from The Void. Hi, Sam and Sierra. Thank you for the time and effort you put into this podcast. It really has changed my life and given me so much insight. Thank you for sharing your pain, love, and wisdom. And most of all, thank you for being such amazing people that dedicate a portion of their time to helping others. Well, that's so nice. My girlfriend and I are both in our early 20s. We've been together for two years now in a monogamous heterosexual relationship. I was uh, hoping to have a good, healthy relationship similar to the ones I've had in the past. When I say healthy, I mean communicative, fun, self-sustaining, and there's never a fear of telling the other person something or uh, and having an unwelcome response. A lot of the time, I think it's unfair to compare my current relationships to my past ones, but sometimes that's where my mind goes. A few examples of what I'm talking about. One, anytime my girlfriend wants to have sex, if I'm not enthusiastic and ready to go right then, or even worse, if I tell her I'm not feeling it right now for whatever reason, she proceeds to shut down on me, pow, yet say everything is okay, basically ignore me until my 10th time of asking. At this point, she'll say something like she is, quote, affected by me more than I am by her, and I make her feel, quote, unwanted. Then when I comfort her about why she shuts down on me, she snaps at me saying that she didn't and that she was okay and that she didn't say anything because she was doing it for me or that there was nothing I could do about it anywhere, so there was no point in telling me. Two, Every once in a while, she will bring up the idea of an open relationship or wanting a sugar daddy. She'll give me a different reason every time, whether it's to explore her sexuality because she needs money or the newest reason to explore her interest in BDSM. She'll bring it to me half-heartedly and almost jokingly, and I consistently tell her I don't want an open relationship, and she'll get mad, saying she feels like she's being controlled. I tell her that that's not what I meant and that she can always choose that over our relationship, and I wouldn't fault her for that. And then she goes on this downward spiral of thinking that I don't care and shuts down on me. Three, she asks for a break. I didn't argue about it, and I allowed her to set the terms. The next day, she turned around and got mad at me for not, quote, fighting for us because I didn't fight to not have the break. Even more, she was hurt and mad with me when I told her I wanted to complete the break with the pre-established timeline and terms, no communication, which she did not follow despite being the one who proposed it in the first place and continuously texted me. There are endless examples I can give of this situation. I disagree or deny her something she wants. She goes down a spiral and shuts me out or lashes out at me. I have to constantly ask and slowly guess and pull information out of her to get what she's feeling or and why. 
it begins to feel like I'd be better off just agreeing with whatever she wants and going with whatever she wants to do to avoid this shutdown that will sometimes last days and lead to her asking for a break in the relationship. The relationship as a whole is beginning to feel almost like an environment that I have to carefully tread and really watch when I say no. I occasionally ask her if she wants to be in the relationship and if she's happy with it, to which she responds, yes. I'm trying to believe what people tell me outright. When she tells me this, I try my best to believe her feelings and reactions don't come from a feeling of dissatisfaction in the relationship, but from a natural response of being disappointed or hurt. But could it be that I'm not patient or empathetic enough to her feelings or that maybe I'm asking too much to have a partner that doesn't get upset when I turn down their advances or proposals for changing the basic terms of our relationship? How do you tell the difference between being someone being accidentally emotionally manipulative and them being sensitive and genuine to how they're feeling? How do you set up a healthy environment to allow your partner to feel valid in their emotions and not, but not allow their negative emotions to keep you from upholding your boundaries that you've set and sharing information with them? Oh, what great questions. Great letters. Thank you so much for writing anonymous, anonymous um yeah samuel mm-hmm. what uh i think i'm gonna say just break up to this letter <laughs> yeah no me too <laughs> <laughs> and let me tell you why anonymous um you are asking all the right questions and mm-hmm. you are doing all the right work and um i just don't know if you are compatible with your partner in a way that makes it sustainable and healthy enough for you. Because like you said, you're trying to set up these healthy boundaries. You're trying to be authentic to yourself. You're trying to believe what your partner is telling you and be communicative and open and vulnerable. And it sounds to me like a lot like our check-in topic. Your your partner is consciously or unconsciously playing a lot of games. And I don't mean to say games like, um, I don't mean to... M- make your partner seem as though they're immature. I, plenty of people do this type of stuff, but um, it sounds like your partner doesn't necessarily have a clear grasp of what they want, except for um, they don't want to be rejected. <laughs> they, they, <laughs> they know that much for sure. Um, uh, and, and also I, I guess I'll kick it off by saying something that I thought of while I was reading it is that, at one point in the letter, you say, um, I try my best to believe that her reactions and feelings don't come from a feeling of dissatisfaction in relationship, but out of a natural response to being disappointed or hurt. And to me, that's just proof that you're doing all of this work to try to understand where her reactions are coming from. But all the understanding in the world doesn't justify them because I feel like what she's doing is taking out her hurt and her frustration on you. And that's not what a healthy partnership does. Mm-hmm. I think that's such a good point of... Um, that we right? can understand love, it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I love the question that you ask Anonymous of how do you tell the difference between someone being accidentally emotionally manipulative and them being sensitive? Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say like, <laughs> I don't... Even if the emotional manipulation is accidental, it doesn't make it acceptable, right? Like Mm. this idea of like, oh, she's just reacting really poorly to the feeling of being rejected or the feeling of being hurt. Um, 
doesn't matter because the way that it's playing out is that it is it is being emotionally manipulative of you, right? I would say that like the behavior that she's exhibiting here is is really unhealthy. Um, and and what I'm concerned about when you write this is that like it's actually working, right? Like mm. you are you are like it seems like the easier thing right now is just to agree and go along with everything she says, and whether or not she's intentional about that. The fact is, is, is that like, that is the outcome that, that is happening. Like that is the outcome that, that this behavior is moving towards. And so it doesn't matter if she's honestly feeling hurt. It doesn't matter if she's honestly feeling the pain of this, right? Like that is something that she needs to work out, um, for herself and with the support of a therapist and people who love her, right? Because what's happening right now is that the outcome of that is that you are being emotionally manipulated into saying yes to whatever she wants you to. And right. that's not a healthy relationship. That because is you've really been, unacceptable. You've been taught to fear the negative reactions. Absolutely. And, and to my people out there who relate to the girlfriend, like mm-hmm. I did at one point in my life, um, mm-hmm. this is not a way to love someone. Um, this is not a, this is not a healthy, like we can do better than this. And that's not to shame the the girlfriend. That's not even to shame my past self or, or people out there who, whose hurt manifests in this way. Mm -hmm. Um, but we have been, this is a reaction that we have been taught at some point in our life through some form of, of, uh, trauma or, um, neglect or, or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. a Disney show, you know, <laughs> um, we've been taught that we need to, um, that our feelings are not valid enough to address outright. And that, um, that our desires are not valid enough to address outright, that they have to be, um, navigated in this backwards like secret way um that it's not enough just to say i want to have sex with you and when you don't want to have sex with me i feel undesired like that's too vulnerable but that also that vocalizes our desires too much does that make sense like that it's like it when i felt this way it's it's that i i didn't i simultaneously i felt like my desires were so important that i would circumvent certain social things to get them, but also not important enough just Mm -hmm. to outright say, like I couldn't just outright say what I want. Instead (laughs) I had to, I had to go through it through a sneaky way, playing games or doing tests. Like we said in the check-in topic. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, just not shaming the girlfriend, but recognizing that like we can do better than that. We can, um, because this is not where love lives Mm -hmm. in this world of manipulation. Yeah. And I have, I, you know, I have also been in that situation too, where like, it felt like, um, where I was so insecure of my, myself and my, um, relationship that I also like <laughs> bullied mm-hmm. and manipulated people into staying or into giving me what I yes, wanted. Totally. And it wasn't, and I wasn't like, I wasn't doing it because I was like, aha, I am an evil person who like knows how to get people to do what I want them to. It was like, I couldn't, I couldn't live unless I had the thing that I wanted. Right. Like Mm -hmm. it was like, because my self worth, my sense of identity, my own sense of validation was so tied up in things that were external to me that I needed to get what I wanted or else I was, 
or else I wasn't who I thought I was or else I like right. didn't have a right. a right to exist on this planet. Right? right. And when that's, and that, when that's the way that you're viewing the world, right? Like then, then it is understandable that you would emotionally bully people into, to doing it. But just because it's understandable doesn't mean it's acceptable, right? right? Anonymous. And I think that's what we're trying to tell you is that like, you are such a kind person for, for acknowledging all of the ways in which your partner is hurting and all of the ways in which they are trying to show up authentically as themselves. Um, and I, I love and appreciate about that, about you. And that is also something that is going to serve you really well in another relationship that where you are with someone who might have a better understanding of themselves and their own self-worth, right? And so when you talk about like, how do you create a healthy environment, right? I think that that's what you're already doing Mm. (laughs) by like showing up for your partner, listening to them, trying to talk with them when they're upset and trying to understand what they're feeling and being there and and being willing to adapt your behavior to, to be as supportive and comforting of them as possible. But just because there is a healthy environment doesn't mean that that healthy relationships will grow, right? Mm. Like just because you have all of the 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 good soil and the right sunlight right. and the the rain that needs to happen, if there's you know if the seed that you plant or the one of the plants that's involved isn't healthy, it doesn't mean that that relationship isn't is gonna work out, right? Like right. the environment isn't everything. It's also right. about the two people who are in that environment. Um, and I and I'm not trying to disparage your partner because I I'm sure that she is a wonderful person um, who is you know doing the best that she can in this moment. But I am saying that like it doesn't mean that that just because you are doing all of the right things that she's ready to be in a healthy relationship where those right things right. are there. Right. I totally agree. Um, and I don't. We don't mean to Sam and I don't mean to be so like. Uh, I don't know, confident about this, <laughs> um, but you've been together for a long time and not a long time, but like, you know, two years. Uh, and it seems like there's a lot of things that your partner wants to explore about herself that maybe you're not interested in. Um, and I, I think I go back to what Sam said is that we can have all the right tools to have a healthy relationship. Um, but if we're with the wrong person, we can't use them. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it sounds like you're doing the right work to try to stabilize this, this somewhat chaotic, um, not chaotic, but like unsafe. I'll, I'll use that word instead. This mm-hmm. unsafe relationship environment you're trying to like stabilize it by doing all of this mental work um but this relationship just just might not be um the relationship that deserves all of your labor Mm. that's right i 100 percent agree i like feel like we could talk a little bit more about it but that's like it yeah (laughs) (laughs) um I, i and also i'll say this Reading into lots of um, nuances in this letter, it sounds like your partner has what might be an anxious attachment style, but, and it, it, uh, even more than that, um, and I could be wrong about this, like, I want to hear your take, Sam, but it sounds like she, she ultimately in her true authentic desires doesn't want to be in this relationship, but doesn't want to lose the comfort and stability of it. And also yeah. doesn't want to risk the rejection of 
of the conflict. You know what I mean? I, that's what I see myself in is that when I was younger, even when I was unhappy, for some reason, I couldn't risk being unwanted by vocalizing my true feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, so instead I would go about them. I would like get those true feel. I would get that validation through unhealthy ways, whether it be through games or, or tests or, you know, infidelity or whatever. I just didn't validate my needs. And, it, and so she, whether she wants you to or not consciously or unconsciously, I, I think that this relationship has, has run its, run its path. What's that phrase? Run its, run its course. Thank you. Course run mm-hmm. its path. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, that's, that's sad. And, and we're sorry for that. But mm-hmm. it sounds like that you're at the end of your rope too, saying like, I'm doing all this work and I'm becoming afraid to be myself. I'm becoming, I'm becoming submissive in a way that I don't connect with. And, and that's where we say it's time to just break up. Absolutely. We're sorry. We're sorry that that's the advice, but <laughs> yeah. um, I honestly, but we say it's it because I thing. think, yeah, I think that, um, you know, there are, you have so much more, potential in you to find someone who's going to make make you work less hard right and she <laughs> is, does too you know she right, she absolutely. has life ahead of her yeah yep, life ahead sure. of her i mean like you know <laughs> not like terminally ill i just mean yeah like, no you said that, that like an 80 year old woman and i appreciate yeah, it but that there is <laughs> what i mean is that you two you know if we're lucky if if the universe doesn't devastate us we all have time to become more of ourselves and we mm-hmm. all have time to um to tap into our true potential um which grows deeper and more authentic every day and it just sounds like you're not going to reach that potential with this partner absolutely All right, Anonymous, thank you so much for writing. We love you. We're sorry we are a bummer. (laughs) (laughs) We love you. Thank you so much. All right, that brings us to the end of the episode and to our blind date, blind date, blind date. There we go. Brings us to the blind date segment of the show where we like to tell you something that we love that we want to set you up with this week. We want to send you home with... A podcast called You're Wrong About. Um, it's this great podcast that's hosted by, um, you know, two journalists. Um, mm-hmm. And basically every week they take tackle a topic um, of something that I think for many of us is something that we like may have base knowledge of, um, but like make a lot of assumptions about. And so what they mm. do is they'll like take that topic. They'll do a lot of research. They'll read a lot of books um, and then they will like come and, and sort of talk to each other about what they learned about this thing. So um, I actually started listening to it because they have an episode about human trafficking. Um, and, you know, mm. I think I'm sure that this is the case for lots of folks, but like my Instagram is like blowing up about human trafficking right now. Um, and it just felt like there were a lot of things in that that I was very confused about. Mm. Um, and so I sought this out and... Um, was able to like learn a lot about what the reality of human trafficking is. And um, I appreciate both of their sort of candor about these things. Um, I appreciate them sort of bringing a high level of context around um, the topics that they talk about. Um, Mm -hmm. I will say what I also appreciate about them is that uh, they are always open to looking at things from different perspectives, right? So 
um, I, I think it can be challenging to like, listen to a podcast <laughs> like ours where they like <laughs> feel like they know everything, but I, oh my God, I just really could <laughs> not be farther from the truth. <laughs> right. But I appreciate their ability to like examine things from multiple perspectives and, and mm-hmm. hold like complicated ideas that seem like they can't be true at the same time and say like, mm-hmm. no, both of these things are true at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I really appreciate their, their candor. I appreciate like their conversation. Um, and so would encourage folks to check them out. And, and there are some like really deep topics like human trafficking. Um, but then there's also like Y2K and stuff like, <laughs> like stuff that like it, one of a great example of like, oh, I feel like I know something about this and then being like, oh, actually I didn't know the full extent of what yeah. Y2K was and like what we did and why our reaction was the way that it was. So super fascinating stuff. Um, check it out. It's called You're Wrong About. Perfect. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can uh, like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Break Up Pod. You can slide into our DM, send us your favorite relationship memes. But most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com, which is also where you can find our merchandise. Please leave us a five-star rating and review and consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you will get an additional bonus weekly episode. That's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. This literally helps keep the mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Original music, recording, editing, and producing by our good friend Big Cats. Make sure to check out his podcast, The What If Podcast. And remember, you are responsible for and accountable to your feelings. You are responsible for who you surround yourself with and the words and energy and choices you put out into the world. You are responsible for your daily habits and for your growth, for your success and for your failures. Every choice can be a lesson. Every discomfort has something to teach you. Lean in and accept responsibility for the past, present, and future. And if all else fails, just break up. <laughs>